get me. From Studio A in Arcata, behind the Redwood Curtain, it's time for... Suckatash. Yes, Suckatash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast featuring snippets from comedy... Soundcast. And also interviews with comedians, comedian soundcasters, and other showbiz folk. And now, here's this episode's host from up the coast, the man who puts the X in Xbox and the tie on antisocial, comedy soundcast soundcaster, Tyson Saner. Saner. Salute tone, that's just me, Tyson Saner. Welcome to episode 275 of Suckatash. I'm glad you found us. We've been here for over 10 years now, bringing clips of soundcasts from more or less around the globe to your ears to sample in hopes that you might hear something you like and would like to hear more of. More of other people's soundcasts, specifically. Last week in Epi 274, my co-host and your every other show host, Mark Hershon, brought you what he referred to as, quote, a full rack of clips, unquote. And I concur. He brought you clips from the soundcasts for what it's worth, Storytime with Seth Rogen, How to Survive with Daniel and Christine, and Films to be Buried with with Brett Goldstein. He also featured a bonus clip of a soundcast called What Are You Watching? hosted by soundcaster and friend of the show Chris Mancini clip was from a recent episode that none other than Mark Hershon was a guest on. Lots of great content in that episode of Secondash. This, however, is episode 275, and I've got three clips, one apiece from the soundcast known as Dragon Talk, Cinemassacre Podcast, and Metaphysical Milkshake with Rain and Reza. I'm sure I will be including a classic advert from our longtime fake sponsor, Henderson's Pants, to round things out nicely. And I'm using air quotes when I say round things out because I am not sure I'm using it correctly in this context. Anyone? Anywho, let's get to the clips. First, Dragon Talk, an official Dungeons & Dragons podcast from Wizards of the Coast. In its description it says, Go inside the walls of Dungeons & Dragons for exclusive interviews and previews. The D&D team sits down each week with celebrities and personalities from across gaming and pop culture to discuss one of the greatest fantasy brands of all time. We'll talk about the tabletop role-playing game and the latest in D&D video games, comics, novels, movies, and television. So I've taken this clip from an episode from May 21st, 2020. Went back in time a little bit. And this episode is called uh, Jeff Kanata, Random Character Generator with Kate Welch. And its description says, Have you checked out all the great shows on our Twitch channel? Greg and Shelley open our show with the latest D&D news, along with mentioning some of the great shows streaming on Twitch TV slash D&D right now that will both entertain and help with your own virtual games. Later, our very own Kate Welch returns for another episode of Random Character Generator. Make sure you check out the D&D Beyond character sheet to use in your games as well. Our special guest this week is actor and comedian Jeff Kanata. I've chosen a clip from the very beginning of the episode with Jeff Kanata, who used to be on a internet video program that also went to audio form, podcast or soundcast, called The Totally Rad Show, that I've seen probably every episode of many years ago. So, enjoy. Welcome, everyone, Jeff Kanata to Dragon Talk. Yay! Yay! Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here. You this feel is the awesome. love? You feel the love of the studio audience? It's incredible. Yeah. There's so many people it's crazy. in this studio audience. Yeah. I know, I'm just packed in here. <laughs> you guys so really. Cool, You're my favorite. <laughs> I loved you on Scandal. <laughs> <laughs> my one Scandal fan. Hey, I, I, I'm going to save that because. 
I got questions. Okay. You were on Scandal? I yes. Know. I didn't I did. know that. I did an episode of Scandal, one episode. That's all it takes, man. That is yeah. all it takes. Yeah. And that is actually the real reason why you're here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, whatever it takes, whatever it takes to get me through the door. You know what I'm saying? What's Kerry Washington really like? Hey, that's one of my questions. (laughs) I got dirt. No, she was delightful. I will. I will. I was saving that. I couldn't hold it in. I was actually so excited. Shelly's burying the lead. I I kind of did. I mean, people listening might know you from Dungeon Room. I hope so. I know you from Scandal. <laughs> uh, Fair enough. I'll my, take it. Like, oh, the Scandal guy plays D and D. That's cool. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> the scandal guy. That's the top line of all of your bios. Is like, is. you know, you may know him from Scandal. <laughs> but gosh, you've been doing uh, this type of thing for a long time, right? Yeah. When, when did you start? We started the Totally Rad Show at the beginning of 2007. Wow. We were uh, conceptualizing it in 2006. So it was, yeah, it's a, it's a long time. In the internet years, that's, you know, that's even longer because internet years go by faster. We, we were doing that show before YouTube, really. Wow. Um, and it was like a video podcast before there were video podcasts, really. There yeah. were very few of them. And um, we figured out how to do green screen before there was like plugins for green screen. It was, it was Wild West back then. It it's is crazy. Amazing being and out, I like, do remember that there was, um, like, because we, uh, before we started recording, we discovered that we do, in fact, know each other, that we have actually worked together. Cause, yes. Uh, it's been lifetimes, but yes, it is. Uh, sometime, like, maybe for the fourth edition. I don't know if I was involved in that, but definitely there was a time in between fourth and fifth when we were at PAX and we had this D&D bus yeah. that we had wrapped and it was like all retro and it was super cool and it was we awesome did, like, it was uh, a whole, full-size beholder you yes, guys had like in the parking yes. lot yeah yep. it was amazing yep. i remember I saw a picture of me and standing in front of that somewhere oh yes <laughs> yeah so it took me a minute to make that connection but yes yeah. i do remember working with you guys it's kind of hard awesome. to imagine now where D and D rules the world, and everyone knows it, and everyone plays it. But there was a time back then when it was really a niche, a niche of a niche, you know. Yeah. And and um, we were trying to help get the word out on on D and D. It just seems impossible to even fathom that 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 you know it was a smaller community back then. It really has grown, and I love the fact that it has grown. But it's. Yeah. It's some people don't remember how it's not that long ago, but it was, uh, you know, it was a different ah. landscape back then. Absolutely. When I, when I started doing game journalism stuff uh, around that same time period as you, 2006, 2007, it was pulling teeth trying to get yeah. editors and everyone to be like, well, I mean, the audience isn't that big, even though you're really passionate about it. It was just always this, we're about video games and that's right. what it's all about. And I'm like, but it's so close. And there's so much more to talk about and you're not, you know, tapping into this audience and you're right. It was, it was a different time and, and it's so cool to see that transition. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's really wild back then. I mean, I think the whole geek universe was, was just blossoming at that point. You know, we, we, uh, for the totally rad show, when we were doing that show. We won a Webby award. He said, you know, 
casually throwing it off. Uh, the but, outlet that I worked for also won the Webby Award. Yeah, so. all right. So Webby, high five. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the, re- the only reason I brought it up is because the you, when you win a Webby, you have five words that you're able to give. That's their, their gimmick was, at least back then, I don't even know if that's still true, but your acceptance speech is supposed to be five words. And um, our five words when we won were, uh, nerd is the new cool. And when we said that in 2007, we thought it was like this anthem that, was kind of not really true, but we were going to make it true, you know? And then in just a few years, it is undeniably true. And it almost feels pat and trite to say nerd is, nerd is cool because obviously all the, the biggest movies, the biggest books, the biggest TV shows, the, everything is nerd culture now, you know? Right. Yeah. It's so much so that it's not even nerd culture. Right. It's culture. culture. Yes, <laughs> it's just, absolutely. There'll be a time when we tell our kids, you know, back in the day... Greg oh, yeah. used to get made fun of for liking Lord of the Rings. Yeah, me too. I mean, that's <laughs> I what I always, I always say. Nerd. I was a nerd when nerd meant nerd. You right. know? Yeah. All right. Well, so the show itself does not have a dedicated Twitter account. Uh, here are the people involved in this particular episode that do have social media accounts. Uh, Jeff Kanata can be reached on Twitter at all lowercase J-E-F-F-C-A-N-N-A-T-A. Kate Welch does not have a Twitter that I can find, but she is on Instagram at Kate Welch, and that is K-A-T-E, all lowercase, W-E-L-C-H-H-H-H. Yes, that is four H's. So it's Kate Welch and then three additional H's. Greg Tito can be found on Twitter at Greg Tito, capital G-R-E-G-T-I-T-O, and Shelley Mazanoble can be found at Shelley Moo, that is all lowercase, S-H-E-L-L-Y-M-O-O. And you can find the show, aside from anywhere you listen to, to Soundcast, you can find it at uh, dnd.wizards.com forward slash dragon hyphen talk forward slash podcast hyphen hub. That is dnd.wizards.com forward slash dragon hyphen talk forward slash podcast hyphen hub. Next up, Cinemasker podcast from Screenwave Media. Its show description says the crew of Cinemassacre, and then in parentheses, James, Kieran, and Justin, are out of the nerd room and into your ear holes. They chat about their lives and the stuff they love, movies, games, and making videos. You'll also hear about behind-the-scenes antics, anecdotes about being longtime YouTubers, and a ton of obscure pop culture crap. It's the -the off-the-cuff banter from rental reviews mixed with an AVGN panel every Thursday. For those of you who don't know, AVGN stands for Angry Video Game Nerd. So the clip I've chosen is from a show very recently, from September 21st, 2021. The episode is called Why Do We Destroy Video Games? And then Bigfoot and Re-Editing Star Wars. This is the seventh episode of the Cinemassacre podcast. So the clip I've chosen is from uh, part of the Bigfoot discussion. I know you wanted to, there was a segment you wanted to do about uh, Bigfoot, I think. Do you want to do that now? Yeah, let's do it now. All right, we're, we're already talking about okay. spooky shit. Okay, so there's a segment I want to do on this podcast, and we're going to... Um, you know, do this every once in a while. It's not guaranteed every every single podcast, but it's something we'll do from time to time where we're just going to talk about an urban legend and just tell us if you think it's real or not, just based on your own intuition. This isn't heavily researched or anything. We could research and then come back later on the same topic. So that could always happen. Um, but we want to hear what people think. So, you know, write us in and tell us if you think it's real or not. So I'm going to start it off. Basically, I want to ask you guys a question, all right? So 
Do you believe in UFOs, astral projections, mental telepathy, ESP, clairvoyance, spirit, to, spirit photography, telekinetic movement, full trance mediums, the Loch Ness Monster, and the theory of Atlantis? As much as I appreciate the Ghostbusters nod, uh, no, I do not. <laughs> now, the correct answer is if there's a steady paycheck, I'll believe anything you yeah, say. Yeah. I mean, but <laughs> I guess that's kind of what's going on here. And this begins today's segment of Is It Fucking Real? Bigfoot. What do you think? Is Bigfoot real or not? And you don't have to know the answer because none of us do. It's just uh, what, do you, what do you what do you really think? I mean, yeah, he's right here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I think uh, honestly, I think Bigfoot might have just been like an escaped orangutan or something like that. <laughs> so like, and there's just one, or is there I don't know. Like that. that well, I I did see something recently that like uh, someone took a picture of a Bigfoot mm-hmm. and they they were like look at this like we found it or whatever and and um or video or well, something and they the they time, actually man. said like there well, there was no faking in it well, or something Well there was the if, are you thinking of the famous 1967 Patterson film No not okay. not it was new it was actually it was like newer. recent yeah okay. this and uh they they gave it to like the, but the thing is like I don't know it it could be it might be some weird hyper intelligent hmm. being that just lives in the woods and it stalks people and stuff like that, uh, you know, and, and people go missing all the time. So you don't really know it. Like it could grab someone off a trail and just, well, that might be the wind or something. <laughs> Maybe who knows, you know, I, it, the, I mean, the thing is too, like when you look at like old, um, like there's those, uh, those old weird animals that were in between dinosaurs and humans, like the giant horses and, mm-hmm. and, and weird sloths and, and stuff like, like that. Yeah. Like the big capybara. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you don't know if like maybe one of those things is still around. Cause I mean, look at like things like turtles and, and, mm-hmm. and crocodiles that live to be like, you know, well, oh, the this croc- you know. was basically like finding a living dinosaur. Yeah. When they found that, um, that was like in the thirties, I think. That's the thing. But, like, there's, but we're not talking about lake monsters. We'll get to that another time. It could um, just be some weird, and also too, there's. I mean, there's so many areas of the earth that like people have never been to, and mm-hmm. and and have never even discovered certain species that's, of animals and you know, stuff like that. That's kind of like the movie The Abyss. Like, you don't know what's down there. Yeah. Or de- descent, like too. Descent like, did you ever see yeah. that? Where yeah. it's like the 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 weird bat people that live in the caves. And it's like oh, these people the that go. Dis- in. The dis- that's yeah, a great, yeah, great movie. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, one, yeah. that scared the shit out of me too. Like yeah. that part when the cave. Yeah, you know, I feel mm-hmm. like the movie was scary even before the bat people showed up. It was. Up. Yeah, when they were yeah. in the cave, when they were trapped. And, yeah, when that part. Climbing oh through. my god, scared the and, crap like out of me. Like it caves in. Yeah, yeah, and um, that's the thing. Like you don't know if with all the uncharted parts of Earth and and, mm-hmm. and under the water, there's those giant yeah. fucking squids but, and shit. I mean, the thing is, Bigfoot lies in the woods. It's usually the woods, unless it's the uh, the Yeti in the Himalayas. Um, so, and this is like the Pacific Northwest Sasquatchy. Yeah, traditionally, like, it's more like the, I mean, it's it's big in Portland. I remember we went to the the Portland Gaming Expo. Yep. Bigfoot was everywhere. Yeah, and we were just like. Uh, like wow, I guess Bigfoot's really well, popular. Harry and the Hendersons took place in uh, wasn't that Seattle, south of Seattle? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. that's where they lived. And well, I remember when we went there too. I was like, wow, this literally looks like Harry and the Hendersons when you get to the neighborhoods mm-hmm. and stuff. In, in Seattle. Um, North Carolina, um, I went to Orlando uh, in May, and I, I drove down from Pennsylvania because why not? Yeah, and I stopped at all this crazy stuff on the way. Almost died a few times talk about that later and um i almost fell in a, i fell in a sink sinkhole where a nuclear bomb was dropped on america accidentally but it didn't blow up i fell in the hole anyway oh um okay so 
I stopped in Little Littleton, Little um, North Carolina, Littleton, North Carolina. There is the Cryptological and Zoological Museum, and they have like a giant Bigfoot, and they have like the prints, and they have a map where they've been seeing it in the area. So I guess Bigfoot moved from Seattle to North Carolina. Cheaper living makes yeah, right. sense. I mean, there could be just more, more than one. Well, there's got yeah. I mean, there's, like there's got to be there's if there's like yeah. Uh, if it's been alive for all these, uh, you know, it might just imagine. So imagine this, like imagine something with comparable intelligence to us that doesn't want to go near a person that lives in the woods that could easily know that knows all the places about it. Like, it's almost like imagine if, if you were hiding in your house and something was there and you were stalking that, so you know, all the places to hide. So maybe we just haven't seen them. Maybe they are just yeah. really good at hiding, and they know each inch of, like, the, of the woods. Yeah, but how many would you need to make a stable population enough to reproduce? Maybe they just live really long. I've been watching the Angry Video Game Nerd videos for quite a long time now. They used to be on a uh, web hosting service. I don't know what it's called. Uh, called Screw Attack, and they're on YouTube now. But um, there's a lot of comedy to be had. And if you like retro video games... Or if you hate retro video games, even it's pretty entertaining material. So the show does not have a dedicated Twitter account. However, you can find James Rolfe on Twitter at Cinemassacre. That is all lowercase C I N E M A S S A C R E. Kieran Fallon can be found at Kieran. <laughs> I think that's how it's pronounced. It's a uh, it's a uh, capital K I K I E E E E E R N. It is K, capital K-I, five E's, and then an R and an N. Justin Silverman can be found at Justy Silverman. That's capital J-U-S-T-Y, capital S-I-L-V-E-R-M-A-N. And you go to Cinemassacre.com to find everything, including the podcast. If you want the long form, it's uh, Cinemassacre. That is the word cinema, and then sacra, and then sucker, and then sa. It's the word cinema and the word massacre. Portamentoed. Portamentu? Portamen. Portamentoed? Portamentoed. To C-I-N-E-M-A-S-S-A-C-R-E dot com forward slash category forward slash Cinemassacre hyphen podcast forward slash. Just go to Cinemassacre.com. Uh, they also do the show on YouTube. Hello, friends. Bill Haywatt here. Are you disappointed with pants that don't live up to the hype? Are you sick and tired of pants that don't fulfill the promise of their name? Well, the good folks at Henderson's Pants want you to know that they take their craft seriously. Oh, very seriously. And that's why they're proud to introduce their new Henderson's Coveralls. Now, I know what you're thinking. Hold on one second, mister. I've seen coveralls before, that staple of the farming, construction, and automotive repair communities. Well, that's true, friends, but admit it, you harbor a deep disappointment when you find that traditional coveralls don't actually cover all. Oh, not even close. Traditional coveralls annoyingly leave the feet, neck, and cranium completely exposed, which is tantamount to false advertising until now. Henderson's has taken the coverall concept to a whole new level by eliminating the annoying pant holes, sleeves, and neckline, then installing a single zipper that encloses three sides of this rectangular garment, you get a warm, durable fabric that covers your entire body. Truly a coverall for all. 
Originally designed for disaster relief areas, tsunami-prone beaches, and plane crash cleanups, the design of the Henderson's coveralls has nothing to do with rumors of a recent contract that fell through for Henderson's to provide 10,000 body bags to FEMA. That's Henderson's, makers of stuff sacks and ditty bags since 1834, and now back to Succotash. Take it away, Marco. Thank you, Bill Haywatt. Uh, Polo? Finally tonight, Metaphysical Milkshake with Rain and Reza from Cast Media. That's capital K-A-S-T. Its description says, A weekly podcast, Metaphysical Milkshake, the show where we go deep, we get weird, and we search for the meaning of life along the way. Hmm. In this show, your co-hosts in Existential Crimes, actor Rain Wilson and scholar Reza Aslan, guide you through conversations about life's big questions. The clip I've chosen is another one from September 1st, 2021. It's called Jason Isbell. Where does music come from? Its description is brief. It says Rain and Reza sit down with Grammy-winning musician Jason Isbell to ask, where does music come from? You know, the, the topic of our conversation is like, where does music come from? And obviously we're starting with you with some of the personal, like, who's Jason Isbell? Where does it come from culturally, historically, environmentally, personally? I'd love to hear more about, I know you've talked about it a lot, but how unsobriety and drinking culture influenced your music early on and how sobriety influences your music later. But since you brought up the Pentecostal thing, that's something that is really because Reza and I are both, you know, religious scholars. He's a professional religious scholar. I'm an amateur. But, you know, this this Pentecostal idea uh, and, and Pentecostalism, you know, brought music really hardcore into the churches Yeah, they had live electric music. Like rock bands. Nowadays, whether you're a Christian or not, you know that like most churches, you go there and it's like drums and a guitar and there's like a huge worship and everybody's dancing and going crazy and stuff. And people don't realize Pentecostalism invented that. Like before Pentecostalism, singing at church was... A mighty fortress is our God. Mm-hmm. Then after Pentecostalism, it was like, wow! Oh, yeah. That must have been for somebody who, you know, obviously had this childhood love of music to to see that in church married to spirituality and religion. And, and, and I love what you were saying, how like everything is a metaphor for the passion of Christ. Mm. You know, I mean, that must have had a huge effect on you, right? It was. Yeah, that was everything. That was everything, you know. And uh, I I have managed to leave most of the guilt and the shame behind me on the path, but I kept kept the Holy Ghost fire, you know. Um, I'm not a a particularly religious person, uh, but I, I did keep that sort of, you know, magic uh, alive in a lot of ways. And that was how I bonded with my family. Like I was super close to my, my grandparents, you know, even when I was 15, 16, 17 years old, because I'd, I'd grown up playing music with them. We, we, we played music together and we watched baseball because those were the, that was the only thing we could watch where nobody would say the F word or show a titty or anything, you know? So we, (laughs) we watched baseball and we played music together and, um, and we got along, even in the ages where you don't usually want to spend time with your grandparents. And it was because of that. Like, they understood uh, the rock and roll part of their spirituality. And so they understood the rock and roll part of me a little bit better. But going even broader, what is this connection between—you talked about the fire of the Holy Ghost, and uh, I, I love that. Because 
Mm-hmm. Really, we'll get to this later, but the Holy Spirit, isn't that just analogous to the muses of ancient Greece? But why do you think music oh, yeah. goes hand in hand with worship? What is it about the the passion of music, how, how music opens us up that from human, the beginning of human history, there's been dancing and music going hand in hand with worship. You, you've rarely had worship without it. Yeah, that's how we keep the record. You know, that's how we write it down when we don't know how to write. When we don't have anything to write on. Mm, we sing it. We sing it. Mm-hmm. And that way we remember it. And then when we sing it, you know, uh, rhythm has a has a, a, a an organic connection with, with uh, how you feel and how your brain feels and how you move. And that part is just, I think, uh, biology. I think you can't help but, you know your heart rate elevates and it brings something out of you. But I think originally we sang it to remember it, you know, and I think that's the part that's really sort of sacred to me about music because, you know, growing up in Alabama, the way I did, I didn't know any black people, you know, we were all just poor white people, you know, and, and by poor, I mean, uh, you know, fine, but, uh, you know, we were all in the same boat down there and everybody was working and nobody was ahead. We had what we needed, but, but we were a, a, a very uh, sort of exclusionary sort of community down there. And I didn't know anybody who looked different from me until I got into high school. So, you know, growing up down there, the only exposure I had to the black American experience was was that music. And I started mm-hmm. listening to that and thinking, oh, no, no, no. What I've heard about these folks can't be true. You know, because the truth of it is they feel like this. And if they feel like this and they sound like this, then then they got to be more like me than they are different from me. That's because they are keeping the record and they were tell they were passing that information to me. I was not going to go pick up and read uh, a book about it, but I was going to listen to the music, you know. Uh, that's that's yeah, that I, that makes so much sense. This idea that like the emotion that's being conveyed by these different genres played by different, you know, races, different ethnicities, it becomes so familiar that you think to yourself, well, I felt that, I felt that, so it must not be that much separating us, I guess. Yeah, that was how it was was for me. And then I started going and reading about it and actually getting to know people and asking the questions. And But where I grew up, that was just not, in the town, Green Hill, Alabama, there was nobody but white kids, you know. Um, and so my first exposure to anybody's life that was different from mine was through music. And then I understood, oh, OK, this is how they get the truth across to people who wouldn't listen otherwise, you know. So the social media links that they've included with the description of the show are their Instagram accounts, where Rain Wilson is spelled R-A-I-N-N-W-I-L-S-O-N and Reza Aslan is spelled R-E-Z-A-A-S-L-A-N. And that's exactly what it is for them on Twitter, including being all lowercase. So once again, that is all lowercase R-A-I-N-N-W-I-L-S-O-N, and Reza Aslan is all lowercase R-E-Z-A-A-S-L-A-N. Jason Isbell, we found it capital J-A-S-O-N, capital I-S-B-E-L-L on Twitter, and the show is on Twitter at Meta Milk Podcast, that is capital M-E-T-A, capital M-I-L-K, capital P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And there you have it. That was, I believe, a pretty decent selection of audio from other people's soundcasts. I do enjoy listening to other people have conversations about all sorts of things. 
Were it not for being involved with this particular soundcast for the number of years that I have, I don't know if I would have ever heard the variety or sheer amount of other people's conversations. I do have soundcasts that I listen to regularly, meaning that I will hear every episode they post as soon as possible after they post, and I feel very fortunate to be able to do so. I think it has made me a better listener in general somehow. Perhaps it functions the same way practicing anything theoretically is supposed to. I really don't know. Anyway, next week Mark Hirshman will be back with more content in Epi 276, and I should be back the week after that, if that is indeed what the future has in store for me. I'm still making video gaming content for my YouTube channel, which you can find by searching my name, Tyson Saner, in YouTube, or you can go to www.tysonsaner.com, T-Y-S-O-N-S-A-N-E-R, to find a direct link to my channel, as well as to various other entertainment endeavors I have been a part of in my improbably fortunate existence. Thank you for listening. Be decent to each other. And if anyone asks you if you have heard anything interesting recently, and that thing happens to be any of the content in this episode, won't you please pass the Succotash? You've been listening to Succotash, the comedy soundcast soundcast, with your host, Tyson Saner. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Rate us and review us at Apple and Google Podcasts. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com. On Spotify. On Stitcher. On iHeartRadio. On YouTube. On SoundCloud. And wherever fine soundcasts are streamed and or downloaded. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Suckatash Show. Like us on Facebook. Email us at T-Y-S-O-N at SuckatashShow.com or call into the Suckatash Skype line at our toll call number 818-921-7212. You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcasts directly to us using our direct upload link at Hightail.com slash you slash Suckatash. Suckatash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, the home of the hit. Our hosts are Mark Hershon and Tyson Saner. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Suckatash is executive produced by Mark Hershon. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the Suckatash. Goodbye. This has been a Succotash Patch production. <laughs>